Suit up! Damn it, Marshal! New is always better. Challenge accepted. I'm not the blitz! You want to hit in this sandwich? Damn, maybe be cool. Can we go camping? Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of The Re-Return. This week, we are coming off an episode where we really fucking hated Ted to come into one of, honestly, I think one of the most exciting episodes of the first season, which is okay awesome. Ah, this episode is so much fun. I love it. My name's Erin. I'm here with my buddy, Lear. Hello. We are two How I Met Your Mother super fans who are running through the series episode by episode, um, talking about what we like, what we don't like, and all kinds of other stuff, including how these episodes connect to other episodes, because How I Met Your Mother is a labyrinth of just biographical fictional detail, which is so much fun to parse. So... Okay, awesome. I'll just give you like a quick rundown of what happens. In this episode, Robin uses her questionable star power to get the gang into the loudest New York City nightclub around. Lily tries to be a grown-up and fails miserably. Barney shuns his beloved suits in favor of the Tin Man look. Um, interesting point of character there. Engages in some incest grinding. Yet again, not getting a girl. Um, womp, Ted womp. Uh, womp womp. Ted awkward confessions his way through blind dating, and Marshall reveals the, the real reason he develops dancer's hip. Much later. <laughs> so, let's get into the episode. Um, I think the big question, especially since this is an episode that's really about the tension between like staying a kid and growing up, would you want to be at the wine or cheese party or the club? I mean, I'd want to be at the wine and cheese party at this point, I think. I feel really old when I agree. Marshall says something really interesting later. And, you know, because Lily's pushing for them to grow up and to do these more mature things. And he says, yeah, like this wine and cheese party would be really fun, but these people are terrible. Exactly. So I think ultimately, while we would both want to be at the wine and cheese party, because wine and cheese is amazing, it depends on who you're with. Always. (laughs) Right, I feel like we could throw a bitchin' wine and cheese party. Yeah, we'd be pretty drunk, though. That's okay. That's the point. I mean, we are all Marshall. Like his, his, his agreeing to this is, I like wine, I like tasting, I like partying, let's rock it maturity style. <laughs> maturity style. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I wouldn't have pregnant friends. Oh, I have pregnant friends on Facebook, and it freaks me out. I mean, like, okay, this is going to sound really douchey. I feel like I wouldn't hang out with pregnant people. Oh, like, so you're Robin. Yeah, I I wouldn't want them at a party that I'm throwing. Yeah, I probably wouldn't invite, like, my my pregnant friend and her, her significant other to a wine and cheese party. I feel like that would be really rude. Because right. pregnant women, as we now know really shouldn't be having interesting cheese, nor should they be having excessive amounts of wine. Just a little bit. Just a little bit, depending on your doctor and your philosophy. Right. Um, So this probably would not be the party I invited a pregnant woman to. There. That sounds a lot better than me just saying I don't want to hang out with pregnant people. That makes me sound like a jerk. I mean, I'd lean into that. But I really love this tension. Upon my fifth viewing this week, I had the realization that Marshall's story in OK Awesome in that he's hesitant to join this mature world very much has an interesting conversation with Lily's story 
in The Sweet Taste of Liberty, wherein she wants to take off the ring and be young and single. Like, they both are struggling in the first half of the season to let go of college and let go of the single life or, like, these old people they used to be who went out and drank and had fun to become a more mature version of themselves or, like, what they think they should be. It's like how when you were 10 and you thought, like, oh, well, when I'm 25, I'm going to be married and have kids and have a real job. And, like, 25 wasn't like that for me at all. But, you know, we constantly in our lives have a very different version of what we're going to be than I think what we end up being. So I think that's an interesting tension in this story. That's just a lot of fun. It brings a lot of depth to this, like, kind of confection of a story. I like that. And in a way, like, I know in the later half of the season, we're going to get into some really interesting dynamics. And we're definitely going to be talking about Lily a lot. But I think Marshall and Lily are kind of on the same page with this growing up, getting married thing. Like they both have hesitancies as much as they love each other and are a wonderful couple who are meant to be and who have been together for nine years now. They both are a little scared of getting married and growing up. (laughs) Any thoughts? Mm, Not really. Not really? I agree. We'll probably talk about a few more plot points later. But the set piece of this episode is one that I really wish they had done constantly throughout the series. But the set piece of how the club operates, which is so loud and the music is so loud that you can't hear anyone talk, which is absolutely true. I I really liked that in this episode. But did you notice in any of your five viewings that you can hear the cast when they're talking? Yes, very, very slightly, though. Like you're in a club, it's very hard to hear. They're yelling. Yeah. But you still can only barely hear, you know, Ted scream. (laughs) What is it? I don't know. I got kicked out of SeaWorld for humping a dolphin. (laughs) I'm wetting myself. Yeah, he says, don't talk when the beat drops. Like, you need to pay attention to that shit. Yeah, I don't understand how he didn't catch that. But anyone who's been in a club knows clubs are actually this loud and terrible. And I, I love this device. I just, I think it's so clever. And it really shows how I met your mother's ambition and, like, trusting the audience and using a narrative device to push forward the story. I hate clubs. Who doesn't? Like, they're terrible. They are genuinely terrible. Unless you're Marshall and you go into the bathroom and take E. Then maybe they're probably fine. I don't know. Are we sure that it was E? I guess I'm I'm sure that it was. But... I'm pretty sure it was. I mean, it could have been anything. We don't know. Right. But that's, it struck me, like, E, um, also known to the kids these days as Molly or MDMA, has a reputation as being a club drug. And just, like, the glee, this manic, happy look on his face when he comes out. Like, right. I and don't... Marshall's not an idiot. It's not like he went in for an aspirin and someone convinced him to do coke. Mm-mm. Someone handed him E. A white pill. Yeah, and he assumed it was aspirin that he was asking for. Right, so he's a little bit of an, an idiot, but we don't know what happened in the bathroom. Ted makes it very clear. There's a lot of things that Ted's a little unsure about in this episode. This is the first Ted as an unreliable narrator, isn't it? I think it is. It's interesting because he's acknowledging that he's an unreliable narrator. And like normally he, said, he doesn't. But he says that he doesn't know what happened in the bathroom. And right. then he says, when Lily and Marshall are jumping out of the window to escape their terrible party, he says, this is how they swear it happens. So we're getting a third party account. Right. They all have to do with Marshall and Lily's B story. Yeah. Well, because there are plenty of things in this episode that Ted's not there for. It's true. You know, this is a lot of third-hand stuff that we're getting from Ted. Yeah. Which is obviously all the episodes. Like, we couldn't have a B-plot without Ted. 
Right. Just hearing it third hand. Yeah, of course. But yeah, no, I think this is the one of the first in-universe acknowledgements that like Ted is narrativizing the story. And we'll definitely talk about telling the narrative of our lives next week because it's a big one next week. Yes. Like the first thing that happens when the episode opens is Robin walks in and says, say you're my bitch, which obviously Ted does because he's definitely her bitch. He is. So bad. <laughs> um, Robin kind of having her head inflated a little is such a nice touch. As this like little like chip on her shoulder about the VIP room and being able to get people into the club. I mean, we're all leading to the Robin just constantly feeling like she deserves more than she's getting. And I think because they justify it later because, you know, she was a teenage pop star in Canada. But what do you think about this? I think it's a really nice through line through the first season and like a nice character beat that she's willing to capitalize on her very minor fame. Also more evidence than more than one person watches Metro News 1. In that someone important actually watched it or seemingly important. Yeah, as a club owner, really that important, all things considered. Well, small business owner, backbone mm-hmm. of the economy. So I'm starting to wonder why Robin is hiding her teenage pop star days so much. Because it seems like that would be the quickest way to get what she wants, which is obviously the fame and recognition here. Yeah, except it's deeply embarrassing to her. I mean, we'll get to this, but like she says that doing porn would have been less embarrassing. I mean, I can't imagine being famous for any of the shit I did when I was a teenager. That would just be so awful. She's just desperate to be known for anything else, but she was so accustomed to, like, that instant fame that she... She wants the fame, but, like, wants to be taken seriously. Well, then she should be better at her job. She should be better at her job. (laughs) God damn it, Robin. I think she figures it out eventually. It just takes her the whole run of the series. Yeah. And I like that her her ego kind of gets away with her a little bit. It's it's amusing. It's true. I like the phone call uh, in the alley... (laughs) Trying to get into the VIP room because they won't yeah. let her in. Right. I'm not saying... Not exactly I... a VIP room virgin. Yeah. That was a good one. Yeah. That was that was just spot on for Robin. What do we think the significance is? Is that we're at episode five and Barney has yet to successfully pick up a lady. And also, this time it's his cousin. Realistically, I think the writers don't know what to do with Barney yet. Yeah. He hasn't quite coalesced. He's the breakout character of the season. Like, I think immediately, if I remember correctly from when How I Met Your Mother broke, like, Barney was the character you watched for because he's Neil Patrick Harris and he's wonderful in all things. But I think they hadn't decided how seriously we were going to take Barney. Right. And because of that, they they didn't give him a lot of plot. Mm -hmm. He was either an agent of chaos or just kind of throwaway. Which even here, he seems kind of throwaway. We don't see uh, him for most of the episode. Yeah, he's he's literally in one place in the almost the entire episode. Yeah. Which and is then, riding with his cousin. Right, yeah. Womp womp. <laughs> Do you think there's anything deeper to it, though? Not really. I'm just interested in how the writers have developed Barney. Because I don't think it's something that we can contribute to Ted in the way he tells these stories. Because eventually, he like gets over the hump and he tells all these gross stories about Barney. Well, in hell, next episode, Barney is a major player in the episode. Still is an agent of chaos, but mm-hmm. he starts getting great lines. More of his personality comes through. Yeah, um, not in a suit all episode, and... 
Right. I think they're struggling with him um, a little bit to, like, really nail down the details of his character. Like, this is kind of symptomatic of an early first season. Yeah, yeah. Once they figure out what to do with him, he takes off like a rocket. He does. Like, so much. And it just gets weird and weird and weird and weird. (laughs) I do like that they pick on him so much early on, though, too. It's, It's a good way to undercut the grosser parts of his character. I don't think he'd be nearly as likable if he didn't fail so much. Right, especially If it especially was literally early... just the hookup of the week with Barney, it'd get old fast. I mean, I think in later seasons it kind of does. Yeah. Um, but we have built up so much goodwill in the early seasons and that everyone is willing to, like, kind of cut him down. Like, if he was anyone but Barney, it would be rather cruel, the things he sa- they say to him. But he just runs with it <laughs> because his Barney and his, his ego knows no bounds. It's interesting, but, like, they do build up a significant amount of goodwill, having him be so successful early, and they make references to that eventually, again, Marshall and his charts. Right. (laughs) But we see him be more successful later. I don't really know what to attribute that to, other than just, like, a growing cartoonishness. I think that's fair for now. So, like, what's your worst club story? We hate clubs, but why? (laughs) Nothing. I don't really have a good club story. They're just... Loud. I've only been to a club like twice. Nothing special. Mm. Been to the Necto. Uh, oh yeah. For a friend's birthday, and it was Friday night. Yeah. Yeah. It was just loud, and drinks were expensive. Yeah, I think that describes like every club. Yeah. I mean, we went to an '80s night in college. Like, and it was the only place I could go because it was 18 and over. Yeah, I I got kicked out of the Trashies Bar in Columbia, Missouri. <laughs> what? Yeah. Just, like, totally wasted. It was, nice. It was, we were shooting straight gin and chasing it with milk because we had nothing left. Oh, God. Oh, my God. I was I was found laying down on the bathroom floor. I was so drunk. Oh. At the club? At the club. Aaron. I was drunk. It was gross. I got kicked out. I want to high-five you, but I also want to wrap you in a blanket and give you a hug. I mean, it's fine. It's not the story where I almost died, but... So, I don't know. I think that <laughs> all women of a certain age have done something stupid like that. I had a friend with me. She got me out safe. Okay. It was not the night we had to pretend to be lesbians. So, you know, clubs you are... You have club- much better club stories than I do. Like, most of the time you just go and you dance and you drink a little. And, like, you don't really drink as much because getting a drink at a busy club really is as difficult as it is in this episode. Is it also as expensive? quite i mean i think the 34 dollars is more a new york joke than it is a like club joke okay but i don't know i haven't really spent that much time in new york i've been on a few overnight trips what's interesting is that they go to clubs again if they're not portrayed like this and one of like my biggest wishes as far as like narrative devices is that they had returned to this narrative device every time they went to a club because it almost feels disingenuous or like out of universe that they do this big set piece and they set up a piece of the universe that it's going to be a really loud place where you can barely hear people shouting. But like whenever we return, it's not quite like that. Right. Like no tomorrow. They're talking a little loudly in no tomorrow, but like you can hear what they're saying. Oh almost. yeah. And the music is definitely the backdrop. Yes. It's not the main douche, 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 as Lily says. <laughs> Which I think after this episode became like the universal vocalization of club music. No, yeah, that's about the time I started doing that. 
Like, I think there's more to unpack in this episode. I thought the soundtrack was fantastic. They had two really great set pieces. The one where Marshall dances, and at the end, where Lily and Marshall are making out in the club. Yeah, when Marshall's dancing, we've got the Love Freaks mix of Shine. Great song. Very. And I'm going to make a connection that's probably tenuous at best. But that always reminds me of Jason's character Nick on Freaks and Geeks when he's doing the disco dance competition. Some of those moves, some of those hand gestures are in both. Which is interesting because I believe some of the actors who are in Freaks and Geeks are also in this episode. The three, yeah. the three kids who are standing out the club, outside the club, saying like, we met the third Affleck brother. brother yeah, and I think those it's are just those... one of them. Sam Levine is Sam one Levine. of the three in the... In the alley. Okay. I have not made it all the way through Freaks and Geeks. I've watched it a couple times. I mean, and we have a ton of actors from Freaks and Geeks that appear on How I Met Your Mother throughout the series. Yeah. In the same way that that actors from, like, the Buffyverse show up constantly. Yeah, exactly. Sandy Rivers. We're not the Sandy Rivers yet. No, Ah. no, we're not. Damn it. So yeah, I, I'd like to believe that Marshall's dance to a club mix of a 70s ELO chart is intentional. I think so too. I see no reason why they wouldn't make that, they wouldn't want to make that reference. Right. Um, Jason Segel strikes me as one of those people who like... So it could just be the actor is going to a stable of moves that he uses in his real life, or he was very deliberately making this reference, which is either is possible and either are very interesting. Right. Um, some things I really love about this episode, because I went down the rabbit hole on this, because <laughs> we see this club alley outside Club OK again in one of my favorite episodes from season two, Ted Mosby Architect. So we see this alley again, because it's the... Um, and we also see the second bouncer, like the giant black guy who tells Robin that he can't come back. She can't go into the club again because she's already crossed off the list. Vinny? Um, Vinny, yes. Yes. Yeah, so I looked this up on IMDb, and it is the same actor, which is just so much fun that they brought him back. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about the episode more in detail, but, like, Robin is following Ted's alleged exploits around the city. Vinny, this bouncer, <laughs> tells her, you know, I'll tell you where Ted Mosby is if you give me your clutch. So Robin gives out her clutch. <laughs> it turns out that Vinny is in a book club with the kickboxer, who... It turns out Barty was impersonating Ted Mosby all night. And this kickboxer instructor who is in a book club with Benny is also the kickboxing instructor in The Bracket in season four. And she makes the website tedmosbyisajerk.com, which is a real website you can go to, as I'm sure you know, if you are a fan of How I Met Your Mother and are also listening to this podcast. We know that the later seasons went through a lot of trouble to connect these dots. I thought this was one of the most interesting ones because they're such tertiary, like they're bottom level characters. Like in this episode, we don't even know Vinny's name. The the woman in Ted Mosby Architect, I don't even think she has a name other than kickboxing instructor whose butt looks better than the other girl's face. Also, (laughs) the girl girl with the the smackable ass. ass. But these people keep popping up, which is just, like, so clever, I guess? I don't know. I feel like a lot of other shows wouldn't go through this trouble. I think you're right. Sometimes it feels a little forced. Yes. 
like with the other character that shows up. I don't know how you feel about this one, but Coat Check Girl? Coat Check Girl. When she shows up in The Time Travelers in Season 8, that feels forced to me. It she, does. She really felt like just a throwaway character in in this episode. I mean, I just think it's a beat that we kind of had already addressed with the the girl who Ted went on two dates with. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a character beat that basically says, you know, either way we're going to meet, like, this isn't going to work. I'm not the right person. You knew that. I think he admits that, like, he never called her because he knew she wasn't right. And he says, like, maybe it'll be this girl. She wasn't. Yeah, exactly. Time Travelers is one of the most impressive and emotionally affecting episodes of the entire run. When we talk about Time Travelers, I am going to weep bullets. Like, it's just going to be an entire hour of me crying hysterically. I might be um, there with you. So I do think it's forced. I don't necessarily think it takes it away from it. I think it was a repeated story beat that they had made this point, you know, four seasons earlier and way better and more creatively and more joyously. But I I don't know. I guess I don't mind this episode eventually having a lot of narrative weight. I like it a lot. Like, this is a fun episode. This was one of my first truly favorite episodes. I can say that. And it was also one of the first ones that I realized some of the musical cues how important the music is to the show. Because mm-hmm. what's on Netflix now is what was the original broadcast. Right, and this is what I was watching today. Right, and that's and what I week. was watching too. But back before this was on Netflix, and it was just on either on reruns or on DVD, the DVD release did not have the same music because Sony couldn't... Was it Sony? I guess, probably. I think it was Sony that produced this. I don't remember right now. Isn't it always Sony? I think so. So they didn't have the rights for the DVD release for some of the music from the show. And this episode was impacted heavily by it. You still had some of the generic club music was the same. But um, Marshall's Dance. (laughs) Sorry, I I have had these stupid beats stuck in my head all week. (laughs) I I get it. I really do. (laughs) But Marshall's Dance, Shine, and... I believe Heaven, uh, DJ Sammy, yeah. at the end, I believe those were both changed for the DVD Ooh. release. I mean, it's brutal. And if, like, you're a Daria fan, you know how brutal this is to have, like, songs that are plot points deleted from DVD versions. Like, it's hard. I feel the same way about How I Met Your Mother. Like, I'm so glad these songs are restored on... And there's a few other instances in the first episode. I think we've had this conversation before, but I think it is most egregious and okay, awesome. If the music is the wrong beat, you know, the shine dance just doesn't work. And I don't know, I have a very interesting connection to the DJ Sammy version of Heaven. Like, it was one of the songs that we played constantly on a tour bus when I was touring Australia as an exchange student. (laughs) I have a very emotional reaction to that song. Like, I think I've, we've watched the episode where it's the, the, the music is different. I don't feel the same way. Yeah. Back when I was just, you know, downloading episodes illegally to have them, even after, like, I own all of these on DVD. I, I've bought each season as it's come out. But the first time I watched it on DVD, watched OK Awesome on DVD, I went and I spent hours tracking down a pirated copy of the broadcast version of this episode because you have to have it for this episode like it doesn't work right but they restored it for netflix so so all is well you know praise hands emoji (laughs) (laughs) all is well all is legal yep i mean the other thing is marshall dances more than you know i just love that (laughs) 
Like, this is something that comes back and back again, that, like, Marshall his dancer's hip and, like, will bust a move and, like, sings to himself. Yeah, because right now it's just Marshall, Marshall dancing in a club. Right. Which we, you know, on E. On E, yeah, that's we right. We get he, that. There's an he, explanation. <laughs> there is a drug reference that's not sandwiches. <laughs> so, yeah, it'll be fun to watch Marshall's dancing progress throughout the series. Yeah. Just, like, what a great character. Holy shit. <laughs> I love Marshall so much. I, I love Marshall. I mean, we talked about this a few episodes ago when Marshall becomes Marshall and suddenly like everything sparkles in episodes because Marshall is suddenly like 100% Marshall. He was so awkward at this party. It was so great and like just so lovable, even though he's doing things like telling people <laughs> that getting pregnant makes you old and like saying that these people are boring and... I'm three months pregnant. <laughs> he's being the biggest jerk but he is so charming regardless <laughs> right love it and really those people are terrible i mean board games bleh. yeah i'm the only person who feels that way about board games we have a bunch of friends out here now that get together to play board games like that's what they do oh this is why we're friends yeah we think I, that's terrible <laughs> i can enjoy party games drinking games drinking games or you know sitting around playing cards against humanity i can i can get that but i honestly think cards against humanity is the only game i genuinely like that's fair yeah even apples to apples was always kind of uh boring i really honestly think cards against humanity is the ultimate expression of apples to apples well yeah of course i mean obviously we both bought exploding kittens and that was like fine <laughs> yeah i, I like it's fun that. I like it. But I've played Cards it against... twice. Yeah. Yeah. But Cards Against Humanity is the only game I genuinely enjoy and will play constantly. You know what's so funny? They've changed the deck. Like, so the deck that you made, what, three years ago now and gave to me? Oh my god, yes. <laughs> the new decks have way different references. I was at a birthday party a couple months ago uh, and someone brought the bigger blacker box. Mm-hmm. Which had all of the expansions, like the Christmas expansions and a Hanukkah expansion, mm -hmm. and it was ridiculous. Mm -hmm. It was awesome, but it was ridiculous. Yeah. I don't know. I'm rather fond of my deck because it has like some very specific dated references to like Sarah Palin. and <laughs> Very true. The newer references aren't as amusing to me because we haven't made five million jokes with them yet. <laughs> right. So but you do, need to, you do need to freshen up your deck every now and then, just like pro tip. That's true. For those of you that don't know, Cards Against Humanity was released, like, free online. You could print it off and just cut out a deck yourself. Can you still do that? I think you can, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if they've updated it. I think it's still just the starter deck and maybe one of the early expansions. Oh, I think I they might have a new starter deck. Okay. I'd have yeah. to look. But yeah. a few years ago, I was working at a print counter. So in my free time or in my downtime, I would print up a bunch of shit for myself. And I made like six sets of Cards Against Humanity. And I ended up with one and it's like my favorite thing in the universe. That's true. And it's great. Yeah. So like these people that they bring in are kind of supposed to be a deliberate counterpoint to Marshall and Lily and their like young freewheeling kind of lifestyles. I love Lily's point that like you kind of get horse blinders on and you think that you can only move forward when like... Robin straight up says, you know, you can move anywhere you want. Like, you can go any direction you want. And then they flash the bouncer. But he gets a good look, and then they get to go into the club. <laughs> have you ever flashed a bouncer? I have not. 
I've never flashed anyone in public. Oh, good for you. Good for me. Low, low bar. <laughs> I mean, it's okay if you had, you know, no, no slut shame. I wouldn't feel bad about it, but I've never done it. <laughs> I'm kind of feeling the need to like <laughs> go do it right now. Rosalie says the other times were just for fun. <laughs> because I live in New York and in New York State, women can run around topless. It's true. Probably. So are but you anyway. going to go run around topless now? No, probably not. Okay. I'm a little worried about sunburn. Yeah, as you should be. Ow. Aaron okay. burns easily. So easily. <laughs> and comically. But, okay, so the other really nice thing, and I know that we like kind of go back to this, is Lily and Robin's conversation. It's not really a huge moment in the story, ultimately, but Robin and Lily spend some time like kind of coming to terms with their own arcs in the story. I just thought it was a really nice beat of female friendship. Robin's sitting in the gutter and... Lily joins her, and they both decide to, like, take action. It was just nice. It was. Oh, another tenuous connection. Oh, yeah. But really more of a just reminds me of Lily in the first season. You know, we've discussed that she's still finding her style. Like, she's not the fashionista yet. Anytime I see Lily with short hair and earth tones, all I think of is Willow. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially with, like, the neckline. She had some Willow going on. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Definitely. I think it was pretty obvious Buff- in this episode. Pretty Buffy-esque. Like, yeah. Yep. Adorable season four Willow. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Especially with the boots. Like, she's wearing cowboy boots. I feel like they can't make work, make fun of Ted when he gets the red cowboy boots because she's wearing these cowboy boots. That's true. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. So, how much do we like Ted in this episode? Okay, so he does get set up on a blind date. He buys an expensive beer. $34, that's $17 for a beer. Did I do my math right? My math is terrible. Yes. And he's yelling awkward shit in the club. I think he's genuinely charming with Coat Check Girl. Coat Wench. And his willingness to extort Barney. Just, I love it. (laughs) And... Honestly, when he's yelling the awkward shit in the club, I don't think that's as much Ted being dismissive of his blind date Mm -hmm. as Ted playing with the club. Yes. It's part of the narrative device. Yeah. I I like Ted in this episode. Yep. I think that, you know, nowhere near as charmingly awkward as Marshall, but Ted was kind of charmingly awkward. Like, I think he would have legitimately tried with this woman if they could have actually had a conversation. I think he was in a good mood and in a good place for this episode. Yeah. But then I think he just had fun with it because he kind of knew there was no point in, like, trying, trying while they were out there dancing. Right. And he's not, like, buzzkill Ted in this episode. He does have a long conversation about how all the good things are bad with Coat Check Girl, but that's flirtatious. Right. And kind of ties into the theme that clubs are terrible, but so are dentist appointments and parades. You know, I I like Ted in this episode. I'm going to give him a seven. I'm I'm right there with you. I'm going to go ahead and say seven. So like a pair of sevens? A really solid Ted score. Yeah. So I think that's it for today's episode. We loved this episode talking about OK Awesome. It's just such a fun time. Do Netflix it before you go to your next night out. I think you will not regret it. Watch it a couple times. Watch it a couple times. Like that so music gets stuck in your head. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. Please come talk to us. We're at thereturn.com and at thereturn on Twitter. Tell us what you thought of this episode. Do you love the connections? Do you want to be in the club or at the wine and cheese party? Dooch, 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 dooch. Do you have a good Molly story? <laughs> Please don't tell us that. Well, if you do decide to tell us that, we, we can't promise... protect you from law enforcement. Yes. We're not going to turn you in, but 
Yeah, don't tell us anything that you wouldn't want someone to find on the internet. How about that? Because that's exactly where this will be. Thank you so much for listening. And we will be back next week with hopefully a really fun episode and discussion of Ted and his Halloween mission. Hooray. Hooray. All right. I'm Erin. I'm Lear. All right. Thanks so much for talking, guys. Bye, everyone. Bye.